Okay. <laughs> That's it. Oh my god. <laughs> We're starting. Did you clap? No, I did. Oh, it was just so in sync that we couldn't hear it. That's basically it. That's basically. That's the only that's answer. All right, so we're alive now. I uh, <laughs> I hope we got it right. There's no going back now, so. This is just a warm-up phase. Um, maybe it's worth me explaining what I've been doing. I'm currently I have um my microphone placed on a stand which I normally don't have, and I am sitting in a well, listening to some flute music as I have my blacked out ski goggles. So you nice. can enter the infinite it's realities. Just, yeah, it's really, in, you know, inclusive music. Are you listening to it too? Yes. Can you send it to Sura? So it's like, like it's such, so beautiful, the music that that's really the only thing you could do as you're watching this. I don't know. You have the hour on Earth. Water. On? Yeah. You know that was um. <laughs> it was not a relaxed Last hour for me. I put the camera on those rocks. It was volcanic rock type of rock. I don't know what you can call it. I assume, I imagine Sura could tell us. <clears throat> but the type where there is no comfortable place to sit because it's all sharp, and then I placed the camera down, and the wind picked up, and the tide started rolling in. And the wind was battering so hard that I thought if I walk away, maybe it's going to blow the camera off its feet. And so I stood there essentially taking the wind in the back right next to the camera for an hour. Wow. <laughs> and so that's what you're observing as we're speaking. You know, this flute music can turn into like wedding music as well. Yeah, you can hear the beat coming in now. The bubble. No, right? like this is when they're having dinner. Well, I'm not sure which track you're listening to, but this is not a... Are you listening to the flute music? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, it's just an observation. Okay, a wedding scene. It's a mysterious wedding scene. I can see you as the, as the foreign prince. Because <laughs> I think it'd be really funny to cast... What's it, Malik? Was it, what is it today? Charlemagne? Charlemagne. It'd be very interesting to cast Charlemagne as a foreign prince. I just, I think, I think the role would work well. Don't you think, Sura? I do think that would work well. It'd be more accurate than who plays him now. <laughs> movies. I've been trying to thread this needle for my embroidery project for the past 15 minutes. It's pissing me off. That's what I'm doing right patience. now. Patience. <laughs> patience is the virtue. Young Sura. It mm. shall teach you great things. That's what I need to work on right now. Patience. Take a sleep, slow breath through the nose. Do you know anything about uh, Rumi, the relationship of Rumi and the reed, like the the flute that is used from wood? I would yeah. love to start learning about this branch of philosophy, but I know so little or nothing about it. I mean, Rumi mm -hmm. is a poet. That's all I know. I need to down this music so I can tell you guys. So basically, here, oh man, this is really beautiful. Okay. Uh, so basically, Rumi is an Iranian or uh, Muslim, that's Iranian uh, guy <laughs> who is, you know, part of the Dude. start or of Sufism in Islam. 
and uh, most of his things are about love and um, yeah basically how you love God and you are close to God and and asceticism sometimes and a lot of people like to use Rumi's poetry and he wrote a lot of poetry uh, he, a lot of people like to use his poetry now instead of what it actually meant about which was God to for romantic people for romantic partners or for love in the real world so it's kind of watered down Rumi's like this uh, ooh hipster kind of guy and in the US but uh, what he talks a lot about is about the nai or the reed and how it symbolizes the uh, relationship that you have with God or that he has with God which is the nai what you're hearing it now in the flute it's the voice of a, w a piece of wood and this voice is considered to be the spirit of that wood and how it longs to be back with its main roots basically back to its tree the voice of the nais is is that spirit and the spirit and and god are one in some sense so it's what you're hearing now that the yeah my point is like what you're hearing now is is the voice of a, a tree this is what it makes sounds or how it makes sounds really cool wow in australia they have the didgeridoo in armenia they have the duduk and it's all the same idea you have uh, plenty of african tribes that have their own type of flute and the native americans have their own flute and they all find different ways to express the voice of the tree through the way they tell their stories that was a great story charlemagne thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. thank you rubber bank rubber bank rubber bank rubber dub lub dub How I'm curious because I, I I face conflicting thoughts about the nature of his commodification that you described, that he's become a, a hipster icon where his words have been sort of reimagined for a different function. And I ask, do you feel like the poetry? I, I like <laughs> I like a good friend of ours who was a poet who was once asked on stage, uh, what is poetry? <laughs> Charlemagne, tell me you remember what I'm referring to. Uh, yes, of course, but I do not remember the specific answer. <laughs> I, that's just the question. Oh yes, and that was that was a thing that existed in life, and other other people attended this thing. It's just it's an inc it's an incredible th scene okay, of okay. Can we far-fetchedness? Can you explain what it was? Could you just explain the context, please? Because I think Sura should hear this. I think I think you would I think you would do it very well. Well, fill in some of the details because I think you might remember it in ways different to me. To me, but we have um, a classmate. We'll call him. What shall we call him? F flan. Khalil. <laughs> Who? Flan, like Flan Catalan. Flan. That's his name. Flan. Flan. Okay, Flan. Uh, let's. I think. Let's just do Flan. Like a food. Yes, yeah, like a dessert. Just like the food. That's his name. So Flan is a wealthy guy, you know, type of guy who's walks around with a swagger and a step in his white leather loafers that have a gold buckle on them, a nice belt with a Lacoste polo shirt and a perfectly trimmed beard and big, obnoxious designer sunglasses. When he plays f football or soccer, he rarely passes the ball and he likes to overestimate his own skill. That being said... He's a pleasant guy. He's enjoyable to be around. He tells good jokes. He has a good sense of style. 
there's a lot to be said about him. He, he also uh, has a company where, or he has random trips to Africa, to East Africa, and <laughs> uh, there's certain things, and he meets with pretty the th- second or third best or most important person in that country. So it's probably like the side side girl of that country, and he walks with them with an entourage and a cane. And takes photos with them, <laughs> and sometimes he also takes photos of himself uh, riding a horse. So it's it's him in the horse as it's galloping, and uh, pretty much depicting similar to Napoleon or of source some sort. Wait, this is a real person that you're describing? Yes. Oh, okay. The way we received him, the way we received information about his life is just as Charlemagne described through a series of photos that would show up on his Facebook of him surrounded by only african politicians and sitting in dignif like positions of dignitaries and <laughs> where he's just you know walking through the corridor with journalists taking photos of what's going on uh, with him and an african politician and africans everywhere <laughs> and then you see him like doing those traditional handshake pose photos <laughs> that are like yeah. a ceremonial handshake <laughs> and then it's and we're thinking like What's going on with Fran or with Flan, man? Like, this guy's... Okay, now suddenly he's on a list 30 under 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's very huge on media and media presence within the, the sub-community uh, of, of newspapers. So the second or third tier of, of newspapers. Hmm, gotcha. What had happened, he, um, he inherited his company from his father who died... And he became thrust into the CEO position, and so he took the took the helm of this large corporation. But prior to that, at university, he'd been in an accident, I believe, with a quad bike, an ATV, which left him wheelchair-bound for a year. And we started receiving this story on a night where on the campus of his high school, <laughs> which <laughs> on, a, on a beautiful, beautiful warm evening on the quad where they do their graduations surrounded in a big square with three of the sides of the squares lined with rows of seats on the grass and him with one chair in front of a small table in the empty side of the square in the middle like a man in front of his audience he had invited everybody he knew to to join him for his official unveiling of his book of poetry now with all the story that led up to this, I was, I was actually ready to be pretty impressed by the situation, especially because he opened up about the idea of having been wheelchair-bound for a year, and that is where his love of poetry began. So I, who would typically approach a situation like this with some degree of skepticism, had an open mind toward it. So he brought a friend of his over onto the stage to ask him some questions before they read his poetry and the friend of his was just it was a buddy of his who clearly <laughs> he had just he was the worst choice the worst choice you could ask for someone in this particular position <laughs> he's just like a jordanian teenager guy and he's like well flan thank you very much for for being in our uh in our place now and um, I want to ask you the first question. I can't do um, a non-nuanced Arabic accent. <laughs> a nuanced one. He says, what is poetry? 
and he's cross-legged here uh, with his Remember, black loafers, loafers and gold chain links and uh, kind of a velvety uh, suit and tie uh, yeah blazer I think it's wild how do you answer it do you remember <laughs> and so I remember what I remember about this scene is that in about seven words he managed to take my fairly hard earned like open-minded being impressed perspective and shatter it down to reality with like a face plant to the curb <laughs> it was just it was just it reminded me like yes there was a reason i was skeptical and this is the reason <laughs> he proved me right <laughs> yes many folds <laughs> And so he began some very convoluted answer that was, it was just, God, there's something about Arabs, the way they express, at least a lot of Jordanians, the way they express art, where it's the only motivator of art is validation. <laughs> and you can see it in all art. It's like more color, more meaning, more, mm. <laughs> just to give <laughs> everything this feeling that it needs to be more because nuance doesn't work in the market where you have to be louder. So it gets to the point where he's asked, he's answered a couple of questions, and they're at this point I'm fully clocked out. Charlemagne gets embarrassed by me, and he's because I'm kind of laughing at this point in the corner. <laughs> yes. I couldn't keep myself together, and you know Charlemagne's trying to be respectful because that's his character, and so he's just like, I'm having trouble holding it together. They so stand up. There's some teenager who walks up behind me. He's like, Ah, oh, are you Robert? Uh, are you Robert Bank? I said, yeah. He's like, ah, I seen your videos. I said, hey, yo, uh, some context. This man, Flan, had asked if I could take photos of his event. I happily obliged. I thought I would be helpful. At this moment, while I was cracking up, this kid came up to me and I stood up. I said, hey, you know how to use a camera? <laughs> He's like, yes, I use it sometimes. I said, all right, the settings are on you. You're taking pictures tonight. <laughs> so I gave him a camera. It's like, report back to me i want i want at least at least 15 good pictures <laughs> keep it stable <laughs> that's pretty much all i said to him because i had to whisper it to him <laughs> oh my gosh so he so he goes around taking pictures while i sort of stand at the back with my hand over my mouth just trying to be <laughs> subtle about it all and then comes the moment we've all been waiting for the reading <laughs> After a series of <laughs> convoluted answers, this is where it has led to. This is poetry. So he brought back the whole wheelchair story. And I I had sort of been lulled back into it, thinking, you know, young guy, the world at his fingertips, suddenly has his entire path shattered by the fact that he has to go through painful, painful physiotherapy. And I think, man, this guy... This guy He's going to have learned something. He's going to have learned something that I don't know. And I want to hear it. There was something inside me that said that to me. No matter how skeptical I get about these guys, you know? I just, he sort of won me over again because I thought, I saw there was some potential there. And I don't remember the specific poems, but I can probably replicate more or less how it sounded. He said, I'm going to choose a poem that's very special to me. This one is called The Moon. The Moon is bright tonight like a star it is bright tonight <laughs> you are my star 
you are bright tonight. <laughs> the fact is actually like I couldn't replicate how he sounded, but how do you remember, remember? it? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm making I'm making it up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. It's like I could have written it in third but, grade. Yes, this is the exact thought I wanted to relate to you. <laughs> this was the most vivid recollection I had of his moment. It just sounded like a human being speaking with crayons. This is it's for just, my yeah, mom. It's, it's just like a, a <laughs> rather than a pen, you know. Third grade, <laughs> this greater crayons poem recited as if it was, as if it was, you know. And I, Remember, his legs are crossed oh. tight over the other. <laughs> Black loafers, white pants, and a velvety top. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so it's 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 uh, funny, and I uh, now that I think of it, I think it was selfish of me to to not have told you the story, Rob. But uh, I the the reason why I was there with with, with two reasons was because I was part of an organization that was partly responsible for for this event because he had graduated <laughs> from there. But then second of all, it's because I randomly uh, met him in Wadi Ram, the desert, while I was taking my Saudi friend for a tour of Jordan. They so happened to be near the same camp, so him and a couple of his friends spent the night. And we spent the whole night to kind of outside uh, in the fire, like bonfire with the rest of the crew that worked at the camp. And after we ate, we basically listened to everybody recite some sort of Arabic poetry. And everybody just goes round and round and they start reciting lines and lines. And of course, I don't know much of it, uh, but I do appreciate the whole art. So I just listened. Uh, and we slept kind of early after that. Um, and uh, in the morning for sunrise we went up to and hiked up hiked up to a, a larger rock and just you know saw this the whole red desert the vast red and like tall sandy dark maroon mountains you know with with the sun coming up ch and colors changing every now and then we're we're up there and we're, we're watching this and he gives me the book and he says i've been writing a book and i was like yes i know it's like uh the event is next week. I'm like, yeah. Uh, said I'm nervous. I I'm still editing and I'm still trying to see what I need to fix. And uh, I just listened to him and about his worry. And uh, he then starts giving me the book and he, he's like, read this, read this. What do you think of it? And me being an open-minded person who loves poetry, I was excited to see, you know, my friend. Who has been reciting all of this this really beautiful Arabic poetry? You know, just n nothing of what he wrote in Arabic, but I, whatever he recited from others. And uh, I'm I'm here reading a book that he wrote, and he told me that he I think met up with a Turkish woman, <laughs> who uh, kind of was his companion for a little bit during the writing process of this whole thing. And he told me about that relationship with that woman, and how. How how much it was just intense and 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 trying to get the best words. So I'm like, oh man. So I open the book and I read I read two poems. He told me to read two specific poems and it kind of went like this: the the moon is bright, bright like the night. The night is so young, just as you are. And uh, f for 
for some reason with all that beauty in front of me it, it was really hard to to connect what I was reading with with everything else it felt dry and despite all of what I felt I had to say that I liked it and that I connected with it and <laughs> went went to the went to the event knowing that and knowing what will happen so <laughs> knowing just to see Rob's <laughs> reaction and not tell him that it's just like completely selfish <laughs> That's the worst situation to be in, though. I hate being in those situations. Here's my life work. Is it good? God, I forgot how good of a story this was. I've never, we've never told it this well. This is really no, good. No, I don't think so. Oh, this <laughs> is great. Oh, I forgot. It's so it's good. Like man. It's got everything. It has everything. <laughs> oh my the, god. The poetry was Bedouin poetry, like. <laughs> which kind of sounds to us like what it sounds like to you it sounds like to us as well that's exactly yes i i'm <laughs> acting <it's> been, <laughs> thank you for making me feel seen <laughs> no but it's exactly what he just said so and then like your friend goes up and does like an acrostic poem you're like ah oh, yes equal it's what we were just reciting <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> you, you can, well, uh, not a nice thing he did was he kind of put me on the spot yeah and uh yeah you like, like it no man and he kept he kept pushing <laughs> and he kind of like he's like in this beautiful sunrise like, spot he's like i wanted to show you this book <laughs> he brought you to this my place. life you love you love my work <laughs> what do you love about it <laughs> every everything i think <laughs> Be specific. Tell me what you the, love about it. The part about the moon and bright. Go on. And how bright the moon is compared to a star. <laughs> I am surprised I that you got that. This, man. What? Thank he, you. He has it on Amazon. He has it on Amazon. That's gonna be my next Audible book that I listen to. <laughs> As I go on my my morning walk. In his, in his accent. <laughs> If he's not reading it, I'm not going to listen to it. I would not be surprised if there are videos of him reciting his poetry. In fact, I would imagine the odds are in our favor. Um, there must be, of course. Everybody, we're in the digital age. There would have been plenty of video footage of that night. Mara see a kid just really shifting in his chair, and I was like, oh, that's Rob over there. <laughs> oh, I love the competing forces in the story. <laughs> Oh, so boy. it's uh it's called oh, man like even his title i was ready man that, <laughs> was that ready is a great it. title yeah so um i'm going to read you know without reading what it is before a review there are two reviews um uh, okay lately i've been reading more poetry and i've been writing my own poem so i wasn't sure whether to review this or not because i honestly didn't enjoy it as i thought i would it felt like his poems are repeated and some poems gave me the feeling that i read them in another poetry book or even a novel especially after reading stolen words poem i just couldn't resist the feeling that all of his words are basically borrowed from different books and stories but to be fair i loved some of chapter four poems and then the second one it started as an ordinary reading of a poetry book i was venturing through the pictures it drew floating with the poet unfolding the layers but at the turn of every page towards the end of the book the reading became vague i was reading out loud from behind a veil of tears 
I remember the song which says, He sang as if he knew me. I felt he'd found my letters and read each one aloud. I will not comment on the language nor the structure of the poems for what, what, what is poetry for? Its language are the feelings structured on emotions built up as a dialogue between the souls. Wow. Two and a half. Two and a half stars. <laughs> my uncle's a poet. He published four books. Four poetry books. Wait. Could you t- was that entire thing one review? Those two reviews. Okay, mm-hmm. so the second one, I just thought it would be a better higher score. But I was thinking, you know what? I want to read the poetry from that reviewer. <laughs> yeah. The Veil of Tears. Exactly. That's poetry within itself. Oh my gosh. No, but the way they said it, it was beautiful. About what they said, I won't comment on the language. Could you, re- could you reread that? Or read it again? Just from, I won't comment on the language. For what is poetry? Uh... I will not comment on the language nor the structure of the poems for what is poetry for. Its language are the feelings structured on emotions built up as a dialogue between the souls. Wow. Now, now the problem is I have to, I'll have to send it to you. There, there are quotations and I do not. Could you, th- okay. Could you read one of the poems? Could you find one, please? I'm trying to find it, my friend. Is there a Kindle version? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let's check. Listen, do, would you put it past this guy? To make an audible audiobook recording <laughs> no, of his own voice. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it would be worth, you know. Oh man! Well, we can. I'll. I'll just. We can talk. Keep talking, and it's humbling. I'll find it. It's humbling to hear reviews that are real. You know, I. You don't hear real read because they, both of them felt like they actually went through the trouble and the effort of reading the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And. You know, the first one, it was very honest, but he said, but to be fair, chapter four did speak to me. It just shows you that they exactly. had an open mind through the whole way. Exactly. Man, that was a beautiful review. It's just whoever that person was that wrote it, I felt like I saw their soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that becomes our pastime, reading reviews of poetry books. <laughs> <laughs> and but making a poetry book from reviews. Totally. He's, he's These are all the lost, the lost poets of our generation. The people who never had the courage to make their own books. Would you publish another book, Rob? And poetry. I would write. I think I would like to write poetry. I already started, but not in a way that I think I've given it much effort. But when I'm doing one of my Hour on Earth episodes, my, uh, I try to write something. In very something very short that sort of speaks to me about that moment sometimes you're in a monty python type of mood you know and so you just want to say something funny mm-hmm. because you know you just saw like one bird poop on another and it's just some of the philosophicalness of nature kind of evaporates with its humor sometimes you're definitely in the place where you're trying to enter a different world by being in this world yes that's why i watch animated movies i can understand what you mean but could you elaborate just all of them are are used for escapism even though, like, some of them I know are real places. Or, like, most of them are ma- made-up places, but, like, fabrications of real places. Um, I don't know. Like, picking out different worlds that I would go to, like, Neverland or um, Treasure Planet's one of my favorite animated movies. And, like, going out into space and searching for everything is something that I just escape into. And having it being through cartoons is just enhancing that because anything you can you do know anything what? you can do anything in a cartoon i mean people die in cartoons all the time and come back to life that doesn't happen in real life or like tom and jerry they get mutilated in various ways and then they're fine like two seconds after i grew up watching all of these two and it's like all good it's fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the overstory had a 
storyline of a character who founded a game that was essentially World of Warcraft. And the whole thing sort of presents it in the story to suggest, wait a minute, maybe it's not so bad taking all these millions of human beings and making them move less and engage into in a fantasy world where they're not hurting anything other mm -hmm. than and they can explore and do whatever they want and explore the infinite possibilities and the infinite realities without any of the drudgery and it it sort of makes you feel like that's definitely where it's going once virtual reality give it 20 years that's that's a very like, long um, time to like think about technological development it's like ready player one how like people how like the real world exactly. is so bad but then you escape into it and, like a sense like i have more thinking about it now i like yes there's escapism in it but also like there's envy in the people who created these fantasy worlds and like the ability to think of all think of a beautiful world that's not ours right now and one that people would want to go to and execute in a way that other people will find it beautiful i have to tell you it's much more possible than you think Oh yeah, I used to do it all the time as a kid. Even when it comes to the implementing, it's much more possible than you think. Mm -hmm. You have game building engines that are essentially the the starting point of anything. But it's like creating something totally original yeah, right. is so rare now. Well, what's rare? How often were we how often would people have been exposed to really original things? Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like original things always come very rarely. You know, has mm -hmm. nothing to do with how much stuff we have. Yeah, I guess so. Because in order for something to be original, it has to go against what other what else would appear as to be the tide, and the tide has to form. Mm -hmm. Was that a cough or was that a sneeze? That was a sneeze. Definitely a sneeze. That was a, a covered sneeze, like attempting to. But around the microphone, definitely. No, away <laughs> from the microphone, because that's not sanitary. I want. It's just loud. <laughs> I have a word. From I have the word from the lexionary that I want to share with you of this book of 6,000 new words. The word is U-myth, written E-U-myth. A lie that is believed to be true through the hammered blows of repetition. Hmm. Say it again. U-myth. A lie that is believed to be true through the hammered blows of repetition. Wow. That's the name of the, the podcast. It's like self-manipulation. <laughs> like manifestation but in the wrong I sense. honestly think that's psychology I would really enjoy it if we would I don't know if you, you guys would enjoy it just in various different times where we could read some of the words and talk about them like a word of the week a word for the podcast I, I have each been one is a scouring for this for, for the past whatever 10 minutes and it is very difficult I can read the back cover so of oh, a poem yeah or I can, I still, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I want Sarah to see to see him or not. You know. No, I, I feel like I haven't looked him up yet, which is surprising. Oh. <laughs> Usually, I would have looked him up by now. Actually. Yeah. Are you just to make sure we're telling you the truth? Well, no, just in general, if like someone like says like a new person's name or something that even if like if they have like a book published or like they're a character in a film or something like an actor, I always usually look him up. Just because I'm the type of... I always have to have, like, a face to a name. But I haven't done that yet because I'm not... I've removed a lot of technology around me. So there's not any interference with the recording. So it's as crisp as possible. Wow. 
that's pretty that's pretty high tech right there yes i appreciate you being so present i mean i did bike home in torrential rain to get the microphone to do this so i figured i should give back and <laughs> a crisp recording <laughs> wow <laughs> and also an attentive one yes that doesn't well, mean i'm not fiddling it. around with other things <laughs> oh i love so i can read i can read the back going through the rain oh, i'm coming I'm so coming. On, on top it says copyrighted material and then uh the background is this starry starry night like in the desert and it's just f the sky's full of stars and there's a kind of diffused uh spectrum of of color between turquoise to, to yellow and purple and uh there's an isbn barcode that's just put on there and it's just high contrast because it has to be white the background of the isbn or the barcode and then his photo and then in big case it says a beautifully written tragedy tragedy the guardian a case study in romance and heartbreak the daily independent scintillating eye-watering music the vanguard flan is a 22 year old award-winning entrepreneur upon graduating from this university he immersed himself in the business world and became one of the youngest successful leaders in his field in his inaugural book, he distances, himself, he distances himself from the overwhelming hustle of the business world and unleashes a talent in English lyrical poetry. He offers himself and his readers space to process and to reflect on the inescapable, inescapable journey of love and loss. There you go. Beautiful. Art. Poetry. Just poetry. poetry. Art. <laughs> I'm going to look for these I, articles as well. So, I'm pretty sure they're made up. But <laughs> are you just, just are like, you just in denial that they could have actually written positive things about his poetry? I I just know that at this level they know nobody's checking and it's not very difficult to write on a document scintillating enter the guardian <laughs> enter <laughs> incredible enter the oh. independent <laughs> enter <laughs> i'm just saying it's not difficult <laughs> yes and someone who clearly has used a lot of other people's poetry to inspire his poetry would have little moral issue <laughs> using other people's names to promote his self i love the way he was called he was the one of the youngest successful entrepreneurs <laughs> It just was a weird <laughs> sentence to me. Yeah, that is a little odd. I, I, I'm also trying to. It's an actual book, so if you put the ISBN number, it's going to be. It's going to appear on on Google. However, uh, the publisher is really not. I I, I cannot find them. And yeah, <laughs> the the first red flag. Yeah. So the, uh, the know, articles. What if this you know, was and some he kind also of announced scheme. that. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. The, he also announced uh, at the end of the night that any of any purchases of the book um, are w uh, any proceeds. Sorry, any profits made from the book will go will be proceeds to the organization of the school, the the alumni organization. Oh. And everybody was like, "Oh, wow!" But I, like, I'm not I sure. I sold nine books. A nice man. And I will donate the twelve dollars. <laughs> Of profit to my dear alma mater. Yeah, so I think creatively, <laughs> we could now go on an exercise where we try and imagine what it was that led him 
to have to write this poetry. But you already know what led him there. Much... No, no, I'm talking about imagining something much wilder, just for the sake of fun. Oh. You know, I'm imagining like he's in Africa and it's a sticky situation, and the way he imagines himself to get out of the sticky situation is to say, "Why you have me? I'm only poet. I'm only <laughs> <I> am." <laughs> A poor farmer. <laughs> I'm a poor poet. Hail oh, Mary. Yeah? Are you? You are a poor. You are a poet. I'm a yeah, poor. I am a, a ugly. poet. <laughs> show Stress me it. your poetry. You mean now? No, you must show me your poetry right now. The moon is. I mean to bright. add to the story. I think this is important to mention because there are, you know, uh, it, it's for the story, man. It's just that he. Uh, worked a little bit so the, the company that he worked in uh, that he inherited uh, apparently worked in renewable energy and uh, a couple of our friends worked in renewable energy as well and they worked together on a, some, on a certain project so he's we discussed the whole issue and my friend who I, you know he, he's just like Dude, you know this is like a Ponzi scheme right I'm like what he's like yeah a Ponzi scheme like this is he just look it up. Look it up. <laughs> look up what a Ponzi scheme. And then, to my understanding, a Ponzi scheme is just like overpromising for something, and then never actually, and then getting the investment money for it, and then yeah. never delivering the results, and this continuous like yes cycle. Correct. Mm -hmm. So just imagine that. Just put that into the whole story, and see what <laughs> what changes with two, with that whole thing. That a poetry book is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> No, 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 that he, his business. Oh, his business. Oh. And, I mean, we can, we, funny. The, book could be, the book could be part of the Ponzi scheme. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's so, not like, out of the can, question. We can have him just, like, yeah, promise that the proceeds of this. Not, nothing know, goes like, back to the like, school. Nothing goes back. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Suddenly, the poetry book is producing millions. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Like it he is the poet laureate, and he ha he agrees with the school. He says, "Listen, I will donate ten percent of every dollar that flows through from me through you." Exactly. Will you accept the proceeds of my poetry book? <laughs> no. Where is the source of your money? <laughs> I am a poet. <laughs> the guardian said I was scintillating. <laughs> <laughs> What guardian? <laughs> Who's your guardian? The oh, like guardian. The, 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 the <laughs> Tell me your guardian. <laughs> Who is it? I can imagine the so guardian. many scenarios that lead to this. <laughs> okay, what's another scenario that leads him to have to write this poetry book? It's not even him that's written it. It's like a kid that he saw. Or like that was like, I don't know. I just imagine him like seeing like kids in a school that he like volunteers at like writing poetry, and he's like, oh, that's good, and takes it all and publishes it <laughs> under his own name. <laughs> that's a funny one. That's a really good one. I have one like when you said it, it brought me to a place that was a little bit darker than that. <laughs> 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 he goes on a like a volunteerism school trip, you know, mm. to Tanzania to go build an to go build an orphanage um you know the type where 
at night the locals come and take down the mess that you made and rebuild it so that the next morning you do it and they do the same thing for four days and so you get the feeling that you're actually building something <laughs> and um in the meantime <laughs> it's just a uh, pe- like white people want an experience and these people understand that <laughs> so it's just a form of tourism don't. except the, like the white exactly it's complex, literally yeah. white savior tourism it's yeah. not why it's, it's just like <laughs> the, the company that's the literal, literal name of the company in their logo they're called white savior tourism <laughs> industries <laughs> and it, it's shameless they understand it but it's like there's also a tiger in the logo <laughs> because it's made by a group of kenyans and they understand the white savior complex and they they cash on they cash in on it <laughs> oh 100 percent. so it's like the tables are turning you know what i'm saying like they definitely <laughs> get a cut from the airline fees <laughs> And they're like, uh, these white people, their form of tourism, the only way they come to Africa is if they build stuff. So we bring them here for this. And I promise you, that's exactly how it happened. Like, we think, oh, it's just white people. No, these people understand that white people are very stupid and you can make great money off of them by promising them this feeling that they're improving the world. And so, with that in mind, Flan is building... So I have... I I keep... (laughs) keep remembering these second. details and i feel like i need to s- give them or go no share the details i can continue yes. later we can be in make-believe forever but we cannot be in you know documentation forever uh I he agree. <laughs> he would uh the great thing about our relationship was that um i guess he felt a little comfortable with me but also that he would invite me to play football he was my main source of football for for my time um with him uh, so on a weekly basis, we would either play, you know, in, in any kind of field and, and, you know, play around or he would actually for a good couple months or three months, we would go to uh, a, f- a private field 40 minutes from the main city um, that is specific specifically made for the royal family. And that's where our team with uh, Crown Prince uh, would be there and just all his, his friends play against another team and the team stayed the same and they could not change and it was black it was black versus white and just this really really nice smaller but really really nice field so we would go play there and of course we would res- uh, you know st- still have to go with the style of play that uh, Robert Bank he described if just not ever getting the ball from him uh, but what was my other point yeah that's one point if I remember, I'm just going to keep interrupting. Okay. So I imagine he goes on a volunteerism trip. Oh, wait. Meet a one of the, one of, sorry, <laughs> okay, one of the, at one of the games, it, he's just like kind of stretching. This guy's like, he's, he, he has a wide ba- uh, back. He's slightly muscular. So he, he really looks like he is muscular and he is, he is muscular. You put him in that category. However, it's on the very, very end of the spectrum of, between lanky like a clothes and hanger. muscular. Mm, like a swimmer's body? A clothes hanger. Yeah, but not as buff. It's just wide. Ah. <laughs> and his arms dangle a little bit. So he's kind of like stretching, you know, his arm is over his back and just stretching. And he's like, and I was like, hey, how's it going, man? How's, how's the past few weeks? But he's like, yeah, I was, I was in Shanghai for a couple of weeks, you know, just a uh, penthouse, you know, just, just you know, checking out. I actually bought, I, I bought an apartment there. Uh, it's not that expensive. It's just like, you know. And uh, I was like, yeah, the red prices are, yeah, uh, not that bad. I know that. And uh, I did just, and then changed the subject. And we played football. 
It's just incredible. Casually buys apartments. And then he goes to talk about his, he has six brothers, I believe. And of course, with the death, death of his father, he was, he's the oldest. He had to take the realms, you know, at, at a very young age. So there's one and around uh, my age. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I like that. I like no, how he turned a... it back to you. <laughs> I think so. There might be. He's actually a very, very nice guy. And he is handsome. Love that. Love all of that. <laughs> they're, but yeah, they're the great family. But oh, man, it's like story. sunset. Yeah. Sunset yes, in Mexico. Oh. Yes. So he's in Africa, Rob. He finds a young boy, five, six-year-old kid, speaks English pretty well, at the school. Takes a liking to the kid. The kid's called Jeffrey. And Jeffrey, <laughs> he likes. Uh, he fancies himself a poet. You know, he writes these little poems. They're about a girl he likes. And Flan, he, uh, he sees these poems. And he thinks, you know, this kid has potential. I want to I turn this kid into something. So he, uh, he puts his resources behind the kid. And he says, I want him to be a, a poet. But um, at some point, his publisher says, Flan, it's not going to sell so well. Poetry, it needs a better face. Flan looks himself in the mirror. He sees a better face. He takes the poetry. And he turns it his. And before he knows it, the whole village where he stole the child from is panicking. <laughs> where is the child? Where is the child? <laughs> where, where is Jeffrey? He has not <laughs> been here for three days. Where did he go? Where did Jeffrey go? No. Hey, Jeffrey. Um, Jeffrey. There are various ways. I read Incredible. in a book that I'm reading, human beings are living in a zoo, in an environment that is designed to sustain it. Every environment other than the man-made environment is ruthless and is not designed to sustain you. It's so easy to forget that that world that we consider ourselves visitors to is the real world. And there's a very thin wall between us and it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. idea that we are visiting and it's right there that's that's a dangerous thought that we are temporary the book is called deep survival and i would highly recommend it deep survival hi my name is deep this is deep survival he talks about he goes to hawaii the author he sees the water it's blue it's inviting him he wants to step into the water and he goes, he asks the lifeguard, he says, Hey, how's, how are the waves today? The lifeguard looks out to the water and is silent for about 10 seconds. His eyes fixed on one place. After about 10 seconds, he looks at the author and says, It'll do, but be careful. Now, in this one moment, the author realized that when he asked the lifeguard, the lifeguard was deeply assessing and looking through all that he knew about the way waves work to be able to give him an accurate answer to that question. When he was later asked, he says, I've seen a lot of people die in these waters. The 90% of the people that die in these waters are white men aged 40 to 50 who see the beautiful blue water and they step into it thinking, oh, it'll be a beautiful swim. And before they know it, they're caught in the riptide 
and smashed against the rocks turned into chum for the tiger sharks. That there are some rocks where the lifeguard described where people like to go take pictures. You look away for a second, you look back, and you never see your wife again. People dramatically don't understand the energy that they're dealing with when they're dealing with nature. Nature is not an amusement park. And one of the problems that big accidents happen to very experienced people, because often, especially outdoors people, if they've made it that far, it means for the most part, it's gone okay. And if you step with this idea that it'll always go okay, it's actually can be to your disadvantage because you don't actually have any real understanding of a situation where it doesn't go okay. It's interesting how the whole story is about accidents happen due to our relationship to the surrounding environment and our lack of understanding of the degree of energy we are dealing with when we are when we engage in nature he described the lifeguard he said what he loves about the ocean is that he called it a pure analog a graph of energy visible to the naked eye and that when surfers catch the wave just right and they time it perfectly the hawaiians have a word for spirit that word is mana and he says sometimes when that surfer surfs the wave perfectly he can feel the mana floating off of those the surfers bodies as they walk by him surfing is a spiritual engagement with the energy forces of the planet and i can see why those who surf will do it for the rest of their lives do you think do you think humans are powerful do you think they are frail i'd like to hear what sura thinks i'm thinking i think we're frail yeah why so i think because we make up so many excuses for why different things happen in the world rather than like other species just like they just see it absorb it adapt to it but we kind of make excuses for why things happen and don't always adapt to it yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense and we usually put the blame on human anything. beings at best yeah we put the blame on anything but we're clever ourselves. i apologize <laughs> i interrupted you thank you um <laughs> i was done i was just saying that like we don't really take blame only until i guess like kind of recently we don't take we yeah we don't take blame for anything that has happened to the world, even though it's been mostly our fault. And that's just another excuse to add to the list. And we are also not the solution to nature's problems. Mm-hmm. The only solution is to stop. Or to go extinct, but that's probably going to happen in about 3,500 years anyways. That's just because yeah. that's the lifespan of most species. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the technology rapidly uh, accelerates all the natural processes of evolution just by nature of what innovation means because innovation is just evolution mm-hmm. but but on a technological scale where the speed exponentially increases and i think can we shift the course of mankind humankind i apologize hmm. it's also that like we treat our life on earth as if it's a disease trying to cure death and that's not a disease it's just something that happens and most people have a very hard time accepting that and that's when the technology Mm -hmm. comes in to like keep us alive longer i mean if you think about it like our whole life we spend trying to be as healthy as possible which is good but like for the end goal to live as long as possible not because just to live well i think the relationship to health everybody there are various relationships you can have and for many people they find that their experience of day-to-day living is dramatically increased because of their commitment to their own health Mm -hmm. 
I have yet to discover that myself, but I know that it's there and I really feel like I ought to engage with it. To engage with your natural human body, you know? Your toes and your hands and your arms and shoulders and neck and back and the incredible, incredible structure of technology that has been given to you. Oh yeah, I'm not saying like paying attention to the health of your body is like a bad thing. I'm saying like the fears that we have about what happens, what we do now will affect our bodies like 40 years down the line. I re- like I remember my mom being like, don't crack your knuckles or else you're going to get arthritis when you're older. And like that kind of like effect in the long run. I had to bite your nails till you had liver cancer. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's Very a new one. And I believed it. So I'm going to read uh, a uh, description of a book. I want I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, all th- it's called... Uh, no, no. Although the Arabic world is as diverse as any other region, customs and traditions endure. Injustices continue. And then there is Layla. Trapped in a marriage to a man she finds physically revolting, Leila begins to realize secret truths about her sexuality, about her very identity as a modern Jordanian woman. Between quotes, good Arab women may have occasionally lurid fantasies about dominating men in bed, but Leila actually finds the strength to do it. And when she dies suddenly in an encounter with a lover, the stakes for the survivors become a matter of life and death. In Leila, Fadi uh, Zahmout gives voice to the Arab woman to put men in her society on trial. Would you read that book? Yes, I would. And why? I just find books... Is it a true story or is it made up? Not sure. It's it's not based on a true story. It's not mentioned, but you never know. I just think stories about regardless of if it's gender or not um about people like changing the norm in a society is very interesting to read about and that there's obviously even if it's like fiction there's obviously some truth behind everything mm. so that you just like me. to see the world imagined some, right, in some other way mm-hmm. fiction is a far greater truth than non-fiction can ever be exactly mm-hmm. and usually like the, the, yeah. the t- like the topic of uh lovers or like unrequited love is something that any like even if it's not if it's in different societies or cultures it's something that like everyone can relate to in some way in small some small way society i would be interested i find it a little strange that it's a man writing it but that's just me um what do you think about the game of jeopardy um i thought you'd never ask (laughs) (laughs) because i was watching it with my cousin the other day as we were unboxing boxes that <laughs> this is funny <laughs> so why we were unboxing unboxing these boxes was because my cousin's brother-in-law uh sends asks people to send their cpus that they're selling to oregon and his brother-in-law lives in texas he asks people on ebay who are selling their cpus to send it to oregon because there's no sales tax there and then from Oregon, they unbox the, all the CPUs from these boxes and then they put them in one box and then they send them to China where they sell those CPUs for a higher price, apparently. Uh, so we were doing that. That's, <laughs> and, that's uh, like awesome. a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's tedious work. That was a sweatshop, right? That was 100%. Basically, you heard that too, right? brother-in-law <laughs> is just taking advantage of his wife's family, you know, just working, working wow. on the field. <laughs> Man, you became an immigrant laborer, and you would have you looked the part as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I have to, and can I tell you something? 
the, the, I have to tell you this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in the last 12 days, I was in Mexico, in the Yucatan province. And the locals are Mayan, but they also, a lot of Chinese laborers came over and they mixed with Chinese people. Mm -hmm. And so these are local Mayans who have uh, some Chinese in their heritage. And every corner I looked, I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere <laughs> oh my god that's so funny <laughs> oh my god it's like oh shit <laughs> shit wait what, what you're here you. like they essentially a little bit wider bone structure like rounder faces but for the yeah. most part like you would fit completely i mean <laughs> and you know every night on this island in holbosch every night all day all week at 7 o'clock to 8.30 they play basketball and anybody who who wants to play just shows up from 8.30 to 10 they play volleyball same thing happens and then from 10.30 or something to midnight they play football and this is in a community covered court at nighttime on the main plaza where all around it you hear the amplified salsa band mariachi band that's playing like rock mariachi on the side you have all these little carts that are trying to sell you massive massive sugar rushes of milkshakes or god knows what people selling you corn on the streets there are no cars so their solution to no cars on these bumpy roads is extremely loud like dune buggies and so that was <laughs> like yeah great that whole no car thing didn't work out for them that sounds like my type but of place <laughs> i want to be there the now street yeah. party it's a corn like a street party the way that it, covid was not invited to this party <laughs> i need to i need to mention oh. a, a a certain regret um oh, yesterday i had a regret. gathering uh, with a bunch of my friends which is uh, was total elation to have people from different circles and different eras of my life meet with one another and connect and actually create a friendship that that in itself is a whole story but uh the, a, a bunch of people from my gathering left and there was another gathering with with the guys who live downstairs and it was just a bunch of guys having beer and so a couple hours after we were all outside a couple hours after the, the gathering started they moved inside and we took over the the big table and at the end of the night, when basically everybody was leaving, all five of them came back outside. And these guys are like, they came from Arlington, Virginia. They work in uh, kind of NASA, some sort of NASA and consulting. They are uh, primarily, all f there are five guys, four of them were white Caucasians. Or sorry, uh, not brown Caucasians, because that's w uh, white, yeah, white, white guys. And then this one Indian guy. Uh, the The conversation was not of much substance however there was just this one guy who was really quiet but then for spurts of just like in spurts he would just say really funny shit just like really funny shit and nobody would laugh except me <laughs> and i'm just like man you're talking gold here and it's just this random dude who i really didn't want to connect with him it's the last time i'm not gonna see them it's kind of annoying and i never i'd never asked for his name and I didn't ask him to be on our podcast. And that's that's a pity. And that's just a lesson to everybody who listens to this podcast or is on this podcast is get that motherfucker on your, on your podcast because he's funny. I bet you could figure out who it was, like what his name is. Seems Something. like you should have your microphone with you. <laughs> and you should At have all like, times. ready 
and set up so that you don't have to finick with it. You know, like you're like, yo, podcast team engage, go go planet go go. <laughs> Everybody get on. <laughs> Sarah like racing through the the torrential rain, holding them. <laughs> I'm kind of crazy, actually. Go 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 go. And then you have Rob, who is like the what do you call it? The doctor from X Men. I'm sitting here in the meditating position, and I've been and I haven't moved for one and a half hours. That's great. So I should we're also all know. Team. Yes, I should also know that this whole time I've been making gifts for friends <laughs> with needlepoint. Oh, that's fun. Making custom. I'm curious what that's gonna sound like. It's it's a, it's just needle and thread, so it's not it's not loud. Oh, I have to. <laughs> Are you sure? I Part of our discussion said. yesterday. We said. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> what the three fucking agree? Oh. Hey, it's all right. You're crashing. At least I'm not eating or drinking something and get those disgusting yeah, noises of me gulping. It's like, you know, yeah, that me for a couple podcasts. But she didn't think about, like, chewing gum with the mouth open for two and a half hours straight. <laughs> or, like, so, heavy. Well, I didn't do the metronome. <laughs> heavy That's breathing. true. That is true. <laughs> Oh man, heavy breathing so, would be funny too. Just mouth breathing. So the part whole of time. our part of our talks yesterday, part of our talks yesterday, was something quite surreal, Rob, uh, a bank. It, it was a group, <laughs> a group of people, uh, you know, just having fun. And one of the people here calls me Senor. Like that's what he. That's that's my name, Senor. Uh, alluring to, or. Uh, yeah, in reference to our uh, videos that will remain un- unnamed. Um, but so one of them heard that they call me Senor, and they didn't know the video. And they're like, "You didn't know? You don't know the video? Oh my God! You need to watch this video. Like it's just the mostly." And these are all Spanish-speaking people, so they get it even more than us. And uh, they're just like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's he." So he explains the concept of the whole video and says that. It's a it's a telenovela style, but they do not speak Spanish. So what they did was they so they telling the process of this whole thing, and I'm just standing there and I'm watching. Okay, I, I'm not saying a certain. I'm just smiling, and they start explaining it, and uh, they go into the just like th- they recite lines after line after line, and it's not exactly what we said, but it's pretty close oh to man. what we said, and it's just like every what? time Wait, it's just like this? yeah, this is last night. Oh and I'm God. just I'm, st- I'm still watching. Everybody's laughing at each other f- over this line or the, all the lines that are said, and uh, uh, and then they they mention the the cabras co- uh, uh, te dare una vaca constipada. So they just kept on changing the. W- <laughs> they didn't remember, remember the animal that we were using, which was goat. They kept on saying like, yeah, exactly. So, um, and then one of them, another guy was who's completely silent for the whole thing he was just and smiling and participant in the whole group but he was just like but i don't get it why the, like the like constipada where's why is it constipada where are they coming from why are they like why did you guys choose that and they're like i really wonder what cabras constipado is in in arabic because i want to see the translation and the thought process between going there and there and there was analysis of this video <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just there, <laughs> and they were asking, and they uh, they asked me, "What is Paddle the secret? Discussion. What is the secret?" They're all they all look at me at this point, and they're asking the source uh, 
of this 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 video what the secret is like why did we choose this and then I give it a couple seconds and I look into each of their eyes and I say an artist does not reveal his secrets this is open to interpretation to the viewers who am I to say what what this means and what this choice was it is you who need to decide and they're like oh wow <laughs> <laughs> Start clapping. They applaud. Uh, they pick they him applaud. up. <laughs> I mean, yes, in a joking manner. However, they do applaud. Senor, senor, senor. <laughs> and he was triumphantly lifted off into the mountains. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man, all these scenes would be so funny. I honestly think you, as the actor, would be the a very well cast choice for all of these fighting like imagination scenes that we could just design y you know um exactly. my my father has those uh expressions and Who? we were thinking he was he was writing oh, your them father. that you know those funny Jordan those Jordanian expressions he thought it'd be pretty funny is if we like if we rendered them literally you know instead of translating it like Musaad Garrett you show like a guy chilling on a lounge bed Yes, and, and it needs to be a smaller guy chilling on a smaller lounge bed. <laughs> oh my god! And they need to be done very well, and they need to be. Yeah. It's like ten seconds of a an absurd situation that is happening, and you know, not quite too literal, not quite too too figurative, and just at the end, kind of like faded. It says the says the word. <laughs> exactly, and that's it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Geico. <laughs> 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 right, I okay. Or like, it's it's just like fade in of the word and then fade out and then fade in of like of the logo. Whichever logo, whoever wants to buy this particular spot. Exactly, you know? but I'm trying to figure out which which logo, which company would do. Would it be an insurance company or would it be, you know, could um, be any company? I, I honestly think you should just make them and someone will want to pay for it. <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. cheese will say, "This is great." You know, yeah, <laughs> like, give me this. I really like that. <laughs> don't, don't like just Yo. go. We we go about making it how we want to make it, with no other consideration, you know. So does your father have a a, a written document of this? Yeah, man, <laughs> he has a lot of them. <laughs> At least he's working. He has all the all the um, expressions, but I'm sure for the other ones, he's just been thinking of uh, scenes. Sura. Like, let's think of one right now. Let's think of one right now. And just to give, I want to give Sura some context. What? Will you oh, receive yes. context? You want me to give some context? No, will you receive it? Oh, yes. Okay, I shall transmit it. Musaad Gaid is a Jordanian expression. It translates to the helper of he who is seated. Essentially what it means is the person who is helping the person who is doing nothing. In other words, you are doing less than nothing as you're helping the guy who's doing nothing. And so that is Musaad Gaad, the helper of the guy who's doing nothing. And so we thought it'd be funny too. <laughs> There's so... Okay, I have to find the document because I can send it to you if you want. I would love that. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if the Jordanian ones will make any sense to you right now. But Probably not, to, uh, but to Arjun, it's, it's still entertaining. Arjun Charlemagne, they would make good sense. There's a fine line between cheesiness and brilliance in this specific Um, Come project. on, I think you should... 
don't hold such a high standard over ourselves, you know? Sometimes we just want to have some fun. <laughs> you know, think, think how Monty Python did their jokes, you know? Sometimes you just want to make each other laugh. That's the point, you know? Yeah. So, like, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of one, like, Khafagli, uh, which means, like, my head got lightened. Like, light as in not heavy. Or, uh, hitting. Gaster. <laughs> exactly. You did not shorten. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, uh, there c- it could be n- uh, nice ones too, like "asadiq waqt al-diq," which is a friend isn't a friend in need is a friend in d- oh yeah a friend needs yeah, but "diq" is like in times of of need, but it could also be translated as times of like physical constraint or like when things are not are too tight. So it could be like between two I don't know a wall. Down. Okay, so we need to just send it. Um, the email. Yeah, your fa- I think your your father will have much better ones. I sent it to your email. It's in. It's all in Arabic, so it's not useful for you, Zura. Well, there's some English. I'm trying to think of. Uh, there was one I learned the other day. Uh, the birds of my stomach are singing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to milk. You have to milk the ant. <laughs> like that one. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool to make, huh? Fart salt and dissolved. What? What was that one? You you snowed my chest. That sounds. It's <laughs> a <laughs> It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> you snowed my chest, or you stole I think, my I chest? I think that's a snowed like snow. Oh, I heard something different. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. Like it made it more fresh and open and, and co- you know cooler because <laughs> because <laughs> Jordanian <laughs> it's a uh, heat. You snowed my chest. <laughs> Where are you? This Shadow can't take a picture. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? There's a lot that you can be very visual with. Yes. Yeah. But you oh, want the, the visual representation to also have something to do with the meaning. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is an art what your dad is doing. What he's translating. On the hurt. I'm looking okay. Uh, you have Fizzia Botta? Fizzy? Fizzy. Fizzy Yabata. Fizzy I'm like nice. And the next one. Kus Ummak. Oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> like, you know, he's written like, <laughs> just for context, you know, he's written at least like 80. He's been collecting them for months. You know, Jordanian expressions. And. <laughs> Well, how would you even translate Fezi Yabatta? Like, go away, duck. But I don't know what it actually Go away, means, you like duckling. <laughs> go away, yeah. you duckling. That's what it... So it's one... For months, he's been just collecting them as he hears them. And then the next one, he's like, oh, I remember this one. Kus Ummak. Which in Arabic means, essentially, fuck your mother. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, oh, it, I, I, but, but so that's the actual... That's the... Uh, underst- that's what people understand, but... Uh, if you literally uh, literally translate it, it's your mother's vagina, and that's it. That's all you're saying. <laughs> that's all you're saying. Except you're, you're just stating cunt. Like kus is kus means cunt. Yeah, it's the same vulgarity. Wow, it's intense. Yeah, you say kus umak to someone. That's like, ugh. oh, you better you better mean it. <laughs> you better mean it. But isn't it funny? For example, I, what I've noticed with my uh, Lebanese friends is that. They use it much more loosely than we do. So if someone, yeah. I think it has to do with I don't know what it is. 
it's just so interesting to have the sensitivity of profanity be different in each country or in each region mm-hmm. like in ireland i think lebanese people know it's just language you know exactly just words talk is cheap that's all it is like yeah i think irish like it's just easy or they use it more often we gotta fucking go we gotta fucking no no exactly it's like peaky fucking thing. blinders yeah the other day Sura shared with me a meditation oh the spirit guide one which I then sent to a friend of mine who I thought would enjoy it who then responded ecstatically saying oh my god I did that same one last night and she described to me the same thing Sura described to me that she fell in tears at the exact same moment it's insane it's just interesting how I, I actually experienced the same thing you experience the same thing as your friend or as me? Both, of all three. Oh, yeah. And I think mine, I could probably have a stronger experience, a place where I felt safer. Mm-hmm. But <coughs> it definitely showed me the immense physical power of meditation. Oh, which yeah. Which I couldn't believe the degree of physical sensation I was having. I really couldn't believe it. No, I was very skeptical of it at first. Because, like, a friend... Uh, she didn't send it to me, but they like recommended it, and I was like, okay, I'll try it. And for context, Charlemagne, this meditation is only like 25 minutes, and it probably less than half of it, or no, like 10 minutes of it, they like you're on a journey to go find your spirit guide, and the, like you ease into it, and probably at like minute 15, you like finally meet your spirit guide, and then you have like five minutes to talk to them, and then like you gradually come out of it. And for me. I was just there. I was ball, not bawling, but I was just like crying. It was, it was very emotional and a physical reaction to a meditation that I never thought I would have ever. You know, it was beautiful to see how different people interpret mm-hmm. a story very differently, but somehow it affects them in the same way. Yeah, it's very much changed um, my outlook on my life at the moment, at least. Not necessarily like clarity. I mean, I, I, I spoke to you about it, but like what I need to do right now and what I'm meant to do, yeah. And especially because of like who the spirit guide turned out to be was even more meaningful, I think. I think the only way to keep that worldview is to call to, to continue the meditation. Yeah. Is the idea to revisit that video? Is that the idea? I don't, I don't, I haven't revisited it, but I do the, like a meditation on the same hertz, if that makes sense, like the, like, is it like 528 or something like that just to like keep it repetitive because I don't want to have to go on that emotional journey every single <laughs> night that I meditate or something like that but I mean mm-hmm. something that I do is I just like I um like write notes to this person now I mean I told Rob but like the, my spirit guide turned out to be my nana who passed away a few years ago and so now I just have started writing like little sticky notes whenever like I feel her presence guiding me which I mean sound I don't know to some people that sounds very cheesy or fake but like it's very releasing and peaceful and just warming to me for someone who doesn't like physical touch that much having like that sense of presence is nice and comforting that's really cool did you feel how what how how would you describe your bodily sensations the physical sensations um i think building up to i mean obviously like in the beginning it was calm and you're just doing the the practice of preparing your body and then i think for me there was um, at least when I like I I thought I I knew who it was gonna be as the guide. It was um, I was pretty anxious honestly, just because I didn't know how I was gonna react, and I was aware that I was not in control of my 
bodily actions right then um, which I like to be all the time and then once I got used to it it was just I was just my body was basically limp because I was just so relaxed and felt at peace yeah how would you describe the physical sensation physical sensations um I mean for me it was just wasn't I don't know tingly but it wasn't like numb like pins and needles numb. it was just I, I really don't have any words to describe it honestly that I can think of right now did the tingling move throughout your body um, it's mainly in my chest area and like my hands, I think. And I would say also my face because I could like sense that my facial, like physical facial emotions were changing, if that makes sense. Do you have a good pair of headphones or speakers that you were listening to? Yeah, I had a speaker doing it. I can tell you, it sounds a little silly, but the quality of your musical amplification can greatly affect how the frequency affects you or oh, affects def- you physically. Definitely. Definitely. No, it's kind of like I would, like the, everyone that could like walk by my window, because I always, I sleep with my windows open and it's on the first floor. Um, <laughs> so everyone can hear when I do meditations, but it's like they're meditating with me, which is kind of nice to think about whether they want to or not. And you feel totally comfortable with that? Well, I didn't, uh, this one I didn't do. I did it at night, so no one really could hear it. But like during the day, in the morning, when I meditate, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. Even the guided meditation. Not the guided ones. I don't really do. Cause I do them at like. Would that be embarrassing? I mean, if people hear it, they hear it. But it's not like it's nothing bad. It's not like I'm blasting profane rap music or heavy metal. It's something that's calming, and it's in the morning, so it's like it's a nice morning thing for people to hear. I, I, at least I think. Maybe people like doing the it's long funny. work. It's really <laughs> funny how you feel that way. Because I think that Charlemagne and myself would both feel like if we had that playing in our rooms, like if you're in the company of your friends, mm-hmm. they'd make fun of you. Really? I think it's just because like, right? like right now I've, I've surrounded my people, like I've surrounded myself with people who are kind of on the same mental journey as myself. So they're like, oh, like you meditated last night? Like what meditation did you listen to? <laughs> so it's like. Yeah, that would help a lot. Yeah, so it's it's something that I, I haven't really thought, like, had a second thought about recently. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I mean, given, like, in the past weeks, I only really interact with, like, the same three people, but, yeah. And they had deeper relationships that way. Yeah, I guess so. Have we lost Charlemagne? I think we have. No, I, I'm still here, <laughs> however. Oh. I must depart. That's okay. So you what? I must depart to make myself a nice flow with the wind, young bowl man. of noodles. Ooh. However, I am. Of your youth. I, I'm excited to to listen to this once more. When it's on Spotify, or you whatever have, uh, podcast streaming service that you are listening to. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by Aviation Channel, Junja Bunga, your go-to place. Junja Bunga for briefcases that are not leather. <laughs> And shoelaces that take up spaces, but no braces. Junja Banja. <laughs> Located at a store near you. And. Oh, there's this chocolate sponsor. that promotes itself as 100%, 100% slave free. Wow. Wow. That's bold. That's a bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> That says a lot about the other chocolates. (laughs) Think of the wording. 100% slave free. I must send this to you. It means so many things. 100% slave free. There are no humans in these chocolates. 
Tony's chocolate lonely or chocolate choco lonely. Together we'll make chocolate one hundred percent slave free. Will you join us? That's it. That like either so like it's not it's not it's not actually hundred percent slave free. I'm not buying like, it. Like, you can, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you can interpret that in two ways though. Like one, it's not made by slaves, or two, like there's no humans in these chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is my interpretation. <laughs> there are no traces of human. There are no traces of human slaves <laughs> in this chocolate. <laughs> so bad. So Great bad. marketing. Love, I love it. it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I love it. Makes you stop and think while you're eating the chocolate bar. One hundred. One hundred percent slave-free. The norm in chocolate. That's this that's episode what I'm saying. Was co-sponsored by. Uh, Flixiterol, for all of your gastro and intestinal looseness, there's Flixiterol, just to tighten you up. Flixiterol. Tighten you up. Wow. All right, my friends. Sura. Yeah. Didn't you have a plug? I am. No. Going to depart. Bye bye. Bye. And so, there were two. Yes. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Are you in uh, uh, Botswana right now? Or are you in home? Botswana was a crafty ruse. We appeared in a biome that appeared as though it could be a Botswanan wilderness, when in fact it was merely Mexican. Ah, I fell for it. <laughs> you travel <laughs> influencers. We have, you. <laughs> we have duped you once again. I knew it. I knew that people would. I would. I thought it was not a very fair and nice thing to do because. People dedicate energy to projecting images that turn out not to be true. Now people again, are going to go to Botswana thinking they're going to really? find that image in person. It's not going to be there. What a letdown. <laughs> well, I believe that if you were to travel to Botswana, chances are it would not be a letdown. Yes. It would probably be look significantly better than mexico but we shall have to go and see for ourselves <laughs> brought to you by the botswana tourism <laughs> saying other places for our sponsor this so week <laughs> perfect oh man that that's is just great. like they get a they pay for a very authentic sounding dialogue between two of the characters <laughs> <laughs> just out of all the places and all the podcasts they chose us i'm so thankful i think they see potential i would see potential in us too especially with our dialogue about slave free chocolate yes and your poet friend enslaving young boys <laughs> to write his poetry for him <laughs> i mean i think we definitely entered a interesting domain of comedy today i think we did too Where, uh, i needed it people's humors have been yeah low recently don't appreciate it oh my god people where's the sense of humor gone <laughs> i don't know that's how people cope with like pe that's how that's the whole point of sense of humor to cope with the hardship of life that's the whole reason it exists exactly and now we're just like we're taking it so seriously that we everything is so serious and that is why I, well, I can't wait to get out of this place serious people we ought to just keep making more jokes then yes Make people take life less seriously. Now that I'm vaccinated, I can take life a lot less seriously. <laughs> Way 
way less. Wait a minute. <laughs> I think that's um that's why the Coen brothers loved like their favorite genre of film were screwball comedies. Mm-hmm. You know these two brothers who are students of philosophy, who understand that the best thing to do to this planet is to do nothing at all. Exactly. And they uh, take the sidelines of things. Yeah, and they love screwball comedies because they try to do nothing other than to make you laugh, mm-hmm. with no point, no point at all other than to make you laugh and in they, that individual moment. And they got the, the if, you, if you offend everyone, you're not offending anyone. So it's perfect. That's exactly it. It's the South Park effect. Like in the end, nobody has causes outrage. South Park does not incite outrage because mm-hmm. they can say whatever they want and people say, well, it's just it's South Park. What are you uh, do? Except for not one time, but yes. It's going to happen. It <laughs> it's happens every... happen. <laughs> you see what they type of shit they say? <laughs> at some point you cross a line it's like oh like you're doing so well yeah. and then whoa 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 take a step back there put in their place the the worst uh storm they had to face was when they approached or they attacked scientology attack scientology yeah they got a lot of shit mm. like 10 people no there's a lot more people in that militia than i thought it's a scary thing have you seen the south park episode on scientology no but I've seen the documentary on Scientology. That's about the same thing, right? Well, you said you're in need of some laughter. Yes. I shall and look at it. Do you want to watch an episode of South Park? What, what, um, I don't know, you probably have it all downloaded. I was going to ask what streaming services has South Park. I, but I, can, I got you. I <laughs> you have it all. <laughs> don't worry. Well, let's not speak about this on the network of this show. <laughs> I can I can hook you up. <laughs> it's all I'm saying. <laughs> I tr- I trust that. I have what it is that you are looking for. I expect nothing less. Well, it is possible that I actually have gaps in the collection, though. I warn you. I just wonder how you have so much storage space on all your devices. <laughs> That baffles me every time. Oh. Well, I can understand <laughs> now how you would have seen it that way. Now that I've downloaded videos <laughs> that you've taken onto mine. Well, onto, well, onto a hard yes, drive, however, but yes. It's important to recognize uh, the magic of um, the service that Lord Google offers us. Mm. Where it's a client where you look through your computer like it's looking through your computer. But it downloads, it's an online folder, and so your, the files are not on your computer. But as soon as you engage them, depending on the speed of your internet, they can appear as though they're just sitting on your computer. Ah. And so there's about 30 terabytes of information there. Enough more than any other, <laughs> more than any laptop can hold. It'll implode if it takes any more. Yeah, yeah, it will implode. So if I gave you credentials, the way to download the stuff would be to log in with an account mm-hmm. of our company, yeah. you enter that drive, use the online the desktop client and hit available offline but make sure you choose your destination folder as a hard drive and then you wouldn't have to do anything and then by itself over time eventually it'll populate the folder offline and you won't have to like you won't have to worry about interrupting the download or if it goes wrong or whatever you won't have to think about any of the individual files just one folder and that's it that is so smart (laughs) never thought about that kind of stuff I say, oh, folder's getting full, better, better buy more storage. 
that time of the month. Google has um, a deal for mm. um, where you can have unlimited storage if you have five pe five members on your five Google. Is that why you have so many team members on the website? <laughs> it is all a Ponzi scheme. But you are now uncovering us on the air. Mute my microphone. Yeah, <laughs> Cut me off right now. <laughs> exactly. Just all you hear is me talking and a series of Exactly. Or maybe like a Russian voice. This part is not suitable for distribution. <laughs> <laughs>